Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here is your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good afternoon. Welcome. Glad you're back with us. I am happy to be back in for Jeff again today. Big show planned. Always fun when you're involved. 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When you do call in, you'll be talking to Kyle. He's the executive producer of the big broadcast. If you're nice to him, you get to me. That's how it works. Uh, we we survived. Hopefully, you survived the uh, the snowmageddon. Kyle, did you make it home? Is everything okay? Did you uh, Were you able to get out? Uh, obviously, you were able to get out this morning. You're here, but were you able to get home? Uh, yeah, and I was actually working until uh, 6 o'clock yesterday, so I got out really right as it was starting, right as Milwaukee, the north side at least, was starting to get hit by the snow. But uh, about a two or three hours later, there was about two or three inches, and then by morning <laughs> there was five or six, and uh, yeah, had to dig our way out, but we're good. Yeah, it came it came fast. I was, uh, you know, as yesterday, I was concerned, would I make it back from the grocery store with my emergency supplies before the snow started? I got out of the house pretty quickly after the show and um, got to the grocery store. It was overcast. It was blustery. I knew things were coming. Uh, and then, as is often the case, I had a long list from my wife and daughter, and I'm going through, and there were certain things, no matter how many times I've been to this grocery store, that I couldn't find. So it delayed me. And as I walked out, the, it was already going. The snow was blowing. The roads were already slick. Um, and... I lamented yesterday that people would forget how to drive, and that came true a hundred percent. So, if you were out yesterday afternoon, once the snow started yesterday evening, yesterday afternoon, uh, there were a lot of reported accidents. Um, the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office said it responded to twenty-seven crashes and thirty-two disabled vehicles between six o'clock last night and four forty-five this morning. No injuries, which is good news, but people were sliding all over; they were uh, slamming into each other. The um, Wisconsin Department of Transportation reported seven crashes on the interstates, uh, so people were people were having trouble. And I will count myself as one of those people. Now I was going down a side street very slowly. I normally I drive like I'm on fire. I go as fast as I possibly can, uh, even if I have nowhere to get to. I enjoy speeding. Uh, I'm like Tom Cruise in Top Gun. I feel the need for speed, and I adhere to Ricky Bobby's mantra, if you're not first, you're last. So I'm always driving fast, but not in the snow, and especially yesterday because it was that it was really slick. But I came to a stop, and I went to turn a corner. The car slid. My back uh, tires slammed into the curb, and I was like, oh, no, this is not, uh, not going to be a good way to get get going. But that was my only... My only incident on the way home. But I dread these kind of days. And I'm wondering if you are one of these people, a, a good friend of mine, does not consider it winter unless it's snowing. He loves the snow. He loves to look outside. Uh, today is probably a lovely day for him. For me, as I was shoveling this morning and shoveling some last night, I thought to myself, ugh. I could go. I could go an entire winter without this. This was another. This was another. Uh, now, Kyle, you said you don't have to shovel because you rent and you have a. Uh, you know, you, the landlord has a service that come and, comes and does this. 
Last night, I was debating whether to shovel before the freezing rain came. After you know, it's because we got that forecast. Well, it's going to snow. Then it's going to be freezing rain and sleet, and then it's going to turn just to rain. And so I was trying to figure out when exactly to shovel uh, for the best impact. And I had to shovel off the back deck so that the dogs could get in and out, which proved to be a bad move. Because this morning I got up to let the dogs out, and the deck was just a sheet of ice. So I didn't do the, I didn't do the sidewalk. My neighbor next door did all his sidewalks. I did my sidewalk this morning. And it was still very slick. So it, the debate rages on and on when you are going to get out and do your do your prep. And I always wonder this, too. How early is too early? If you have a snow thrower, how early is too early to go out and do your yard? Now, today is technically a work day, even though a lot of people are on vacation this uh, this week between Christmas and New Year's. And a lot of people have been working from home, if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that. But when you get up, is it is six o'clock too early to run your snowplow? Is you know when can you do on the weekends? Do you wait a little later than you do during the week? I figure on a work day, if I'm seven o'clock, I can get out there and run my snowblower. If I still that's when I had one when I had a different driveway, that was my time seven o'clock. Maybe on the weekends I'd push it to eight eight thirty, but. On a work day when people have to, you know, you got to get out of your driveway, whatever, I think 7 o'clock is good. Kyle, where do you fall on that? Is that Does that seem too early, 7 o'clock on a weekday to run a snowblower? Well, I'm someone that wakes up really early regardless, so I wouldn't really be bothered if someone did it at, you know, 6 a.m., uh, but my wife would be driven nuts. Uh, she's someone that likes to be in bed until the moment she has to wake up, and if she's woken up, you know, hours early because of somebody <laughs> snowblowing at, at, you know, 5 a.m., uh, she's gonna lose it, <laughs> and she'll she'll want to she'll want to do something about it. But um, but yeah, no one will be happy. And then the only person who she's gonna take it out on is you. So then, in turn, you now have anger toward this early snowblower. Yeah, naturally. I mean, she's not gonna go out and I don't know what fist fight some neighbor or or shout and <laughs> and and, wow. and begrudgingly you know chastise them or anything. She's just gonna put that out on me. So. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to think of your wife turning into a Karen and going out in her pajamas, screaming at the neighbors because they're uh, they're cleaning off their driveway at six yeah, o'clock. Nobody wants that. Somebody from the two six two said they started their snowblower at five o'clock this morning. If you have to go to work, I get it. You know, I, I understand. Uh, another one from the two six two. My neighbor loves to get up at five thirty and use his leaf blower to clear the snow. The high pitch whine is awful. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. Uh, I don't get that at all. All right, we'll get to some more of your texts. How early is too early to start running your snowblower? Then, oh, we've got news about the stimulus checks. A lot going on. All we want, always want to hear from you at 855-616-1620. It's Brian for Jeff on WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Weather always a big story, and the snow that came uh, last night and the freezing rain that came this morning uh, made the morning commute and the evening commute last night a little bit difficult. Things are calming down now until Friday when we're supposed to get some more snow here. But I was asking a couple questions. One, if you were very excited and you love the fact that it finally snowed, and two, we were getting into snowblower etiquette. Is it, uh, is it what time is too early? 
from the 262 answering the first question. Don't like the snow at all. Started work at 2 a.m., put 400 miles on today on my way home right now, and I get to snow below the driveway, sidewalks, and everything else. It is not fun anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm done with it, and I know then you would say, well, you, you need to move. Uh, perhaps. We have an interesting story about that coming up in a little bit. Uh, Taylor in River Hills says snowblower etiquette and lawn mowing etiquette are two different things. I will agree with that. Um, let's see the, the screen jump. There we go. You have to get out of the driveway and go to work or run errands. There's no need to cut the grass at 6 or 7 a.m. Exactly right. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of these guys. I don't want to drive on the driveway or walk on the sidewalk until it's shoveled because I don't want the footprints to be there uh, crushed in the ice. I don't want the tire tracks, the trenches to be in there. I want to get everything cleaned off before. Um, from the 262, I started my snowblower at 5 o'clock this morning. Another one, my neighbor loves to get up at 5.30 and use his leaf blower. We read that one already. Here, uh, let's see. Here we go, guys. If you had to be at work at 7, I was up this morning at 4.15 blowing snow, and they can yell all they want to. Unless they want to shovel it for me while I'm at work. That makes sense. Yeah, listen, the snow, I'm going to give it to you. If you can't get out of your driveway, you've got to shovel. You've got, and if you're, or snow blow. And I, I don't mind the sound of a shovel hitting the sidewalk shoveling snow. I, I like that. Uh, another one from the 414, we have to get out, uh, go to work and get out of the driveway. So we were out at 4 a.m. Unfortunately, my 68-year-old husband needs to get to work early and would have to do it at 5 a.m., but feels guilty that early, so he usually ends up shoveling. Now, if you got to do it, you got to do it. You fire it up and you go, and, you know, how long can it take? And here's the thing. If you're getting upset that people are running their snowblowers, sleep with earplugs. That's all you got to do. Just uh, just know. Or get used to it. Or just get up. Enjoy, enjoy the early morning. Listen to the sounds of the winter. From the 262, I used to have a plowing service that would come and plow our driveway out as soon as the snow stopped, even if it were 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the middle of the night. Tons of lights and scraping sounds and revving of the pickup truck motor in the middle of that. That's, uh, I get it, because these services, they've they've got a lot of clients, you would imagine, and they're waiting till it stops, so they only have to do it once. But yeah, if you're getting woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning, Unless you know, if you live next door to somebody and you know they work a shift where they're up really early. And you go, all right, well, Bob, I know Bob has to be at work at 5 o'clock. So there's a good chance at 4 o'clock or 3.30 he's going to be he's gonna be shoveling his snow. Unless he's got teenagers at home, and then, you know, they can deal with it once, uh, once Dad's at work. From the 262, it's not winter in Wisconsin without snow. Waking to the sound of a snowblower or a plow makes me smile. It means uh, we probably get enough snow for winter sports. It's never too early. And uh, finally, it felt bad for the neighbor with my husband plowing at 7 a.m., but my sweetie knew I had to get to a doctor's appointment. Well, I'm glad your sweetie got out there and got the uh, got everything cleared off for you. What's a sweetie for, What's a sweetie for if they're not going to get out and uh, clean things up for you? All right. Have you looked at your uh, bank statement today? Because there's a good chance if you got direct deposit with your income tax that your stimulus money might already be in there. That's what they're saying, that it could be it could be in there. Now, I have not checked my bank account today. I might uh, ask my wife to do that and see if, uh, see if our big money is coming in. Now, you know that they it's $600. For individuals, twelve hundred dollars for a couple, up to uh, up to a certain 
up to $150,000 per couple. If you didn't make that, then you're going to get $1,200, for an individual who did not make $75,000 or more. So it's coming in. Now, we were were talking about yesterday uh, the the potential of $2,000. But today we know we're getting $600, which... In a lot of you know normal times, if somebody just handed you six hundred dollars, you'd be happy, happy. This time of this time, there's a lot more riding on this stimulus. So I'm wondering what you're going to do with this six hundred dollars. Now I know a lot of us, it's going to rent, or it's going to groceries, or it's going to pay off some bill that may be close to disconnection. So we're all in a different, even though everybody says, oh, we're all in the same boat. We're not in the same boat. None of us are in the same boat. We're all going through the same storm, to use a hackneyed expression, if I may, but we are not in the same boat. So I know we all have different needs for this. And some of us are probably counting the minutes till that money hits our bank. Some of you may be like, oh, it'll be nice when it comes. It's a nice bonus. Maybe I don't even need it, Um, you know, but... If the government's giving it to us, but I guess I'll take it. Uh, but others are like, oh, when is it coming? When is it coming? I gotta get this. I gotta get this taken care of. So that's what I want to know. What are your plans for the six hundred dollars? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Noonan in for Jeff. Have you checked your bank account today? Because if you did direct deposit on your income taxes, you may have your $600 or $1,200 or, depending on how many children you have, a bigger check in your bank account. Uh, they can ex- Americans, they say, can expect to see those uh, checks in your bank accounts immediately. The federal government's second round of stimulus payments is being sent out, according to the Treasury Department and the IRS. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said yesterday that the Treasury and IRS are working with quote-unquote unprecedented speed to issue the second round of payments. Uh, one uh, texter from the 262 said, we did direct deposit with our taxes. I've checked the account twice and still no stimulus. It's going to be like the watch pot never boils. We're going to keep checking our checking our bank accounts. Another one uh, saying no check in mine yet. Uh, the, the direct deposits will continue into next week, so it might be might be today, might be into next week. Uh, paper checks are going to be mailed out beginning Wednesday. So uh, if you didn't, uh, if you didn't do it, I'm wondering what you're going to do with this 600. Because I said we're all in a different situation, and while 600 is not enough really to to save you if you're months behind on your rent or your mortgage, uh, it might help in other ways. So I'm wondering what you're planning on doing with it. Gabriel is in West Dallas. Hi, Gabriel. How you doing, sir? I'm well. What are you going to do with the six hundo? I am going to get the family together and just drink my happy butt off. <laughs> there that you go. Way. There you go. All right. Well, enjoy it. Uh, and it, the good thing is the weather's going to be crummy, so you can do all that drinking at home. Right. Right. All right, man. Well, all happy right, New Year. Thanks day, for sir. the call. <laughs> Take care. Mike's in Illinois. Hi, Mike. Hey, Brian. Good afternoon. So what are you going to do with your Hello? 600? Yeah, I'm, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to be working during this pandemic, so I'm going to take a little vacation. Nice. You're going to wait for a while? No, actually, I'm, I'm going out to Colorado in about three weeks. Oh, okay. Just for, 
a long weekend. Very nice. Well, enjoy yourself. Be safe. Yeah, I already had the trip planned, but now I'll have some, you know, the money to spend on it, and I have to put it on a credit card. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's always helpful. Mike, Happy New Year. Thanks for the call. Uh, From the 262, we're using it to go to Door County for the weekend at the end of next month. Snowshoeing, and the rest of the money will be used for camping excursions during the year. Uh, Matt says, check tomorrow morning or after 9 p.m. tonight. They won't come during the day. All right, Matt. And uh, Ryan says, if I haven't received my first stimulus check, I am qualified. Will I receive this before? Yeah, my daughter uh, didn't get the first one either. She never got it. And we tried, we talked uh, We talked to our accountant who had done the taxes, and she should have gotten it. She never did. And um, so we don't. she doesn't know if she's going to get this one. A lot of people seem to have nice recreational plans for uh, the stimulus payment. I'm hoping that uh, it is able to it's enough to help some people who really need it um somebody else who might really need it the president is trying to talk to the supreme court about the wisconsin election again we'll touch on that a little bit on the other side of the news but right now we must go to the wtmj 24-hour newsroom jeff wagner on wtmj brian noonan in for jeff jeff will be back next week before the news, we were talking about what you were going to do with the $600 that's coming from the stimulus check. A lot of uh, vacations were, uh, were what we heard earlier. This, uh, this in from the 262, I'll do the same thing with this stimulus payment that I did with the last one. Most was donated to single mothers I knew who had lost their employment and desperately needed cash. The remainder went to several charities. I am retired and collecting a pension in Social Security. I thought it was ridiculous for the government to send me a check the first time and feel the same way about the second payment. Stimulus should have focused on those who are most affected, not me. So very generous and uh, very thoughtful texter from the 262. Good for you. Uh, When my wife and I get our stimulus check, we plan on using the money to get ourselves a new air mattress for our bed. My wife's side currently loses air every night, so she's not getting much sleep. Well, that's... That makes sense. Who, who doesn't want? Who wants to sleep on a deflated mattress? No. Uh, from the four one four, buying myself a chocolate Labrador puppy. Uh, I do not think we should name him COVID. <laughs> no, I don't think you should name him COVID. You want to, you want your puppy to have pleasant memories. We're going to buy a new computer, says this person. Something we'd probably hold off on, but once this money hits our bank account, we're buying. Uh, Jill says I got my first COVID vaccination yesterday. I feel great. No side effects. Uh, if I press on the injection site, it's slightly sore, so I'm really happy. Uh, I got really sick from my shingle shot, so yay. And $600 will buy a lot of THX Lace candy bars for that guy going to Colorado. That's true. If you're, if that's something you are into, there you go. Somebody else is buying golf clubs. So I'm, I'm happy that people are in a position where this is, this is bonus. It's it's going to help out. I know, I know there are a lot of people who are looking at it as a lifeline, uh, albeit a short lifeline. But you know, uh, and I and and I know this sounds trite, but sometimes something is better than nothing, and uh, we'll see how it goes. How do you feel about the proposition or the prospect of the entire state of Wisconsin election results being thrown out and overturned? How do you? How do you feel about that? And the reason I ask is the uh, president and his uh, campaign 
again on Tuesday, have asked the U.S. Supreme Court to reverse Wisconsin's Supreme Court and set aside the state's presidential election to allow Republicans who control the legislature to decide how to cast the state's 10 electoral votes. So as you know, the, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court already considered a challenge last month uh, to the results in Wisconsin and other swing states. The high court this month rejected that challenge, um, but that's it. We're, we're back. The Wisconsin Supreme Court rejected the lawsuit 4-3 to three this month, uh, finding that uh, the president had waited too long to file the lawsuit. In this case, this is different than the, than the last one that they put in front of the Supreme Court that the Supreme Court wouldn't even hear. Uh, in the latest case, they're asking justices to decide whether more than 50,000 absentee ballots in Milwaukee and Dane counties were wrongly counted. Now, as you know, uh, Joe Biden carried Wisconsin by about 21,000 votes. Some of the ballots uh, were cast by voters who did not have to provide a copy of their photo ID because they said they were confined to their homes because of age or disability. They also want to throw out ballots that were in cases where clerks filled out the addresses of witnesses on absentee ballot envelopes. As I said, the Wisconsin Supreme Court already rejected this lawsuit 4-3, to three, finding that they had waited too long to file it. The practices that were being questioned in the lawsuit have been in effect for a long time here in Wisconsin, and if, there were, if they thought these were a problem, that the president and his campaign should have challenged them long before the election. That according to the majority of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Um, with the appeal, the campaign dropped the most far-reaching argument, was, which was uh, that the way Wisconsin officials have conducted early in-person voting for more than a decade is illegal. Even the dissenters on the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, didn't latch on to that one. So now there's a chance that they are trying to get the entire election, everybody, doesn't matter. You're Republican, you're Democrat, you voted for uh, the president, you voted for Joe Biden. Doesn't matter. They're saying we're going to get we want to get rid of the entire election. Because you didn't do it right, Wisconsin. And so we now want the legislature to make the decision and cast those 10 votes. When is enough enough? You know, the the Supreme Court already looked at it one way and said, "No, we're not going to hear this case." The Wisconsin Supreme Court said, "No, you don't have any grounds." They're just going to keep going. I don't like the thought of our votes being thrown out. When to this point there has been absolutely zero, zero findings of any widespread fraud. I don't know. Does it make sense to you that they could do this? When do we, you know, we'll see. Now they've tried to, they've asked the Supreme Court to put this on the fast track. You know, so that uh, that it would be heard before the Electoral College is voted on on January 6th, which there's already, you know, there's already talk of uh, people doing uh, crazy things there and trying to challenge that, which is supposed to be just a ceremonial thing. Uh, but we'll see how that goes on January 6th. You know all that, all that that is. It just seems that it seems that at some point, Somebody needs to step in and tell them, just stop it. Just stop this. 262 uh, texting in, this is completely stupid. I, I agree. I think this is ridiculous. I don't think, I don't think it's a good precedent to set to, to say, you know, 
we're going to try to set aside an entire state's election. Um, it just it it just seems to, and that you know again, this is the way Wisconsin has done elections for over a decade. You know, if if you're worried prior to the election, okay, you go. The recounts have all happened. The courts have ruled on it. Uh, you know. That's just uh, that's just it. A lot of people saying, uh, "Oh, wh- what are you talking about? There's a fraud everywhere. Where, where is the, where is the fraud? You know, well, the media is covering it up. Sure, it is. The media is covering up. The courts are covering it up. Everybody's in on it. Everybody's in on it. And, and there's only fraud in certain counties and certain states. And there's only fraud at the top of the ticket. There's not fraud down the ro- down the road." Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's hard to uh, hard to talk about and hard to describe. But let's uh, you know we'll talk a little bit more politics because the uh, Democrats in Madison are saying they may not go to their swearing in. Why? Is this a good idea? Talk about that on the other side. It's Brian in for Jeff on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, as expected, you uh, you mentioned things that might be critical to uh, the president, and uh, it gets people riled up. The uh, text line is on fire at 855-616-1620. Pretty much uh, divided. You are wrong. There is proof. Unfortunately, our media will not report on it. Uh, What are you smoking? No evidence of fraud? Question mark. Uh, Ryan says, although I completely agree with you, watch out whenever Jeff Wagner denounces the president. Trump loyalists often tell him off. Well, they're, they're on it, Ryan. <laughs> the 414 says, I voted for Hillary four years ago, and just one day after she lost, I said to myself, hey, I guess people didn't like you. Uh, so I think uh, what those Trump voters should realize is, hey, I guess people that like him so didn't like him so much this time. Yeah, I wonder if all the people who are crying about voter fraud uh, were screaming about it four years ago. Same rules were in effect. From the 414, he's destroying America's faith in our system without any proof. Always knew he'd be a big loser. Wisconsin broke their own laws, says the 920. I don't think anyone's vote should count. Uh, Another one, even if he got thrown out, he still wouldn't win. Give it up. The Wisconsin election should be thrown out. It is ripe with fraud. Uh, You say there's not much fraud going on. What about the nursing homes where the people are incompetent about (laughs) Well, that's, uh, again, this is a texter. I do not believe that every person in a nursing home is incompetent. Um, they uh, Yet they still voted. What about gathering of ballots in 200 spots in Madison, which is against the law? Widespread voter fraud in Wisconsin. The president and his campaign need to stop these games. They need to ex- accept the fact that they lost the election. There has been zero evidence of widespread voter fraud in Wisconsin. And somebody telling us to, telling me to stick to snow. Stick to talking about snow. Now, I'm going to talk about uh, things that I think are crazy, and one of them is somebody just uh, not facing reality. And that's uh, that, I believe, is what's going on right now. Another reality is Assembly Democrats may skip the inauguration for state lawmakers next week. Why? Because Republicans who control the chamber aren't requiring masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19. This is, this is a problem with a lot of people in authority who are not who 
preach one thing. They preach, you know, we have to stop the spread. We have to be careful. We have to stay safe. We admire healthcare workers. And then, you know, the one simple thing that has been proven time and time again to help slow the spread is a mask. And don't, don't text it, well, mask isn't going to protect everybody. No, but the mask slows the spread. That's it. Don't tell me, back in March, they told me not to wear a mask. Yes, I know. Back in March, they told us not to wear a mask. I had a, a guest on in early March, right before this started, saying, no, if you're sick, you don't, if you're not sick, you don't need to wear a mask. Guess what? We learned new stuff in the nine months since this came to our shores. So, you know, you don't get to go back and say nine months ago, they told me this. Well, now we've learned that the masks do help. So anyway... Uh, Assembly Minority Leader Gordon Hintz uh, said, I think there's a real apprehension about being in a room for a sustained period of time with people who aren't willing to wear masks. We'll have to see, but I think there are a lot of people that are planning on not going. That's the end of the quote. He said he doesn't want to go to the inauguration. Uh, he's scared he would endanger his community if he visited the Capitol because of the way Republicans plan to hold it. Having all Assembly Democrats skip the event is, quote, a real possibility. Now, the Republicans have said... Listen, uh, we suggest you wear a mask if you're coming. We suggest that uh, all the members and the aides uh, to those members wear a mask. The uh, Republican Assembly Speaker, Speaker Robin Voss said legislators and their aides would be asked to wear masks. Uh, he did not say that the mask would be required, which is what is getting people upset. Now, is this political posturing? Sure it is. It would be, it would be the same way if it was going the other way. This is all posturing which goes back to the troubling point that we made a public health issue political this should be a no-brainer people are dying all over the country this virus is spreading yes the vaccines are coming they're rolling out slow so it's going to take a while it is not that big a deal but we've made it a huge deal uh, Robin Voss says, quote, people all across Wisconsin safely go to work every day and members of the assembly are capable of doing so as well. The assembly will convene safely as other legislatures across the country have done during the pandemic. Members and staff are being asked to follow Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidelines, practice social distancing, wear a mask and wash their hands frequently. Well, what he's leaving out, what he's leaving out is that the people who are going to work across the country most of them are being told they have to wear a mask. When was the last time you went into a business and the employees were not wearing masks? I don't care if it's the grocery store. I don't care if it's uh, you're going to pick up food. You're, wherever you're going, people are wearing masks. And I know I've seen news footage of other legislators, legislatures rather, either meeting remotely or very social, socially distant and wearing masks. Now, uh, important fact that all Assembly Democrats have already been sworn in under a process that lawyers have determined uh, passes legal muster. So they, they're sworn in. Even if they don't go to this inauguration, they're still legit. Um, from the 262, this is not about wearing a mask. It's about uh, controlling people, wear a, mask, wear a mask, go to the inauguration, quit being children. It's not about controlling people. This is this is what I don't get. This is why I, I I wonder, are we really that paranoid to put a piece of fabric over your face when the science proves it out that it will help slow the spread? It 
will help you not get someone else sick if you are sick. It will decrease your chances if somebody else around you is sick. Oh, man. And we've still got some mask deniers uh, checking in. Somebody said the Ace Hardware uh, people in Watertown employees don't wear masks. Well, that is, uh, that is a shame. That is a shame. Brian, I think attending the inauguration should be required to wear the same outfit that Robin Voss wore when he worked the polls during the election, head-to-toe hazmat. I, I wouldn't mind that. Put everybody in the big hazmat suits, go in with the big tongs, uh, try, to get everybody, try to get everybody all worked up. That would be lovely. That would just be lovely. <sighs> all right, well... We'll see. I am. Uh, I think. I think all politicians, all legislatures, legislators, should wear a mask. If they're telling people to adhere to the suggestions of the CDC, then they need to set an example. There are still going to be a wide swath of people who are not going to listen to them, but set an example. Be the. Be a leader. That's what you wanted to be elected for. So lead. Lead by example. Put on the mask. Put on the mask. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. There's more. It's WTMJ. All right, just a couple uh, a couple other thoughts. We were talking about the, the Democrats perhaps not going to the inauguration because the Republicans are not requiring masks. Uh, somebody from the 307. I'm sick of people being all righteous about people that do, do or don't wear masks. Follow the protocol and mind your own business and quit talking about other people. Take care of your families and take care of yourself and hush your mouth. That's my opinion. Well, unfortunately, in this case, what other people choose to do can affect everybody else. They can affect my family and your family and anybody. So following the protocol means wearing masks. Those are the mandates. They're not laws. They're mandates. They're suggestions from the CDC. It does work. It's been proven to work. If you choose to deny science, there's nothing anybody can do to change your mind. You're going to, you're going to think what you want. But no, I think it is important for people to keep reminding others that we're not in this by ourselves. This is not something that if you stay in your house or if you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, it might not affect you or somebody in your family or somebody you know. It will. It has for a lot of us. So uh, that's that. Uh, I don't know if you've ever found something uh, crazy in your house when you moved in or if you tried to do a remodel of a house that uh, you had bought a while ago. I found this uh, very enticing. A New York couple made quite a discovery during a home renovation. They found a stash of Prohibition-era whiskey hidden in the walls and floorboards. Nice. The owner said he'd heard stories that the 100-year-old home was built by a local bootlegger a total of 66 bootleg bottles worth about $1,000 each were found in various locations throughout the house. Uh, he is a, the owner is a historical preservationist. He's been sharing the discovery on Instagram. The, uh, the bootlegger, a man named Count Adolf Humpfner, died in 1932. Uh, the, I never, when I've been, the only thing unusual I found in the first house that we bought, we, in the living room, there was a wall that was really bad paneling. And I hadn't noticed from the outside, but when I pulled the paneling off the wall, there was a window in the living room. I was like, oh, that's, you know, it was nice. It opened up the, opened up the, uh, <laughs> opened up the room a little bit. We got some more light in there. That was fine. My brother, when he bought his house, 
they were doing some renovations on it. And in the bathroom, when they tore out the wall, he found a handgun. There was a like a thirty eight that somebody had dropped in the in between the you know the drywall and the studs. I don't know. I don't know why there was a gun in the in the house. He's not sure why there was a gun in the wall, but um, you know he found it. All right, a uh, little more COVID news because uh, gosh, you can't really go a day uh, without COVID news. Scary COVID news coming out of Colorado. We will talk about that and so much more on the other side of the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here is your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good afternoon. Welcome back. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, the line has been jumping all morning. We want to keep that going. Some COVID news. I know we're all, we are all getting COVID fatigue. Every day when I start to prep the show, I'm like, well, it's, it's the biggest story. We have to talk about it a little bit. Um, but really, what can you say? The numbers are startling. In some places, they're getting a little bit better. In some places, they're getting exponentially worse. So we have to deal with it. And now, just when you thought it couldn't really get any worse, it does. A new variant of the coronavirus uh, that may be more contagious has been found in a Colorado man. Now, this is this is the weird part. He hasn't he hasn't been traveling, so now there's all kinds of questions about how the first reported case of this new version showed up in Colorado. Now, you've heard that this was happening in Great Britain, which was. Uh, the result uh, resulting in a lot of travel bans, people not leaving Great Britain, uh, the uh, more surges over there in England. But now Colorado officials are going to uh, have a news conference later today. This is a man in his 20s who lives in a mostly rural area on the uh, edge of the Denver metro area. He's come down with this. It's uh, likely still rare in the United States, they say, but his lack of travel history uh, means that it is spreading they're saying it might have been seeded by people coming over from Britain in November or December. Um, but they don't know. And they don't know how much, how much more contagious this is. They don't know what it, what's going on. There were reports that a second suspected case of the variant is in Colorado as well. And it's funny, I you know, one of our callers earlier said they were taking their stimulus money to go out to Colorado. I'm like, I don't know. This might be a time to uh, put that trip off a little bit. Public health officials are investigating other cases, potential cases. Uh, it's, you know, what they've learned from the United Kingdom is that it's more contagious than previously identified strains of the virus. Uh, there's no evidence that it is more lethal or cause, causes more severe illness. And they're saying that it appears that the vaccines that are rolling out, that are already here, the Pfizer and Maduro ones that are rolling out here, and the new one that was just released in Great Britain, they think that that should work on this. It's just a different strain, and uh, newer versions have been of this virus have been coming. Viruses always mutate a little bit, um, but there haven't been significant mutations. Little mutations. If if there were significant ones, then they would say then they would be worried that the vaccines weren't going to work. But since the mutations are small, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But that's you know, isn't that just what we need? 
two days before the end of the year, or b- before the new year, rather, that all of a sudden we've got another strain of this stuff. Just as we start to, you know, we start to feel good about the fact that there's these vaccines, and yes, there are tr- there's trouble rolling them out. We got to get more people vaccinated. Uh, the estimate that there was going to be 20 million people estimated are vaccinated by the end of the year is not going to come true, but we've got to get more people vaccinated. Uh, so we, we start to see even a glimmer, even a, 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 just a faint speck of light at the end of the tunnel. And now the new strain comes in and goes, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, I'm a lot more contagious. Uh, I'm going to move. I'm going to move a little bit quicker. So we'll see. And it'll be interesting to hear what the, uh, Colorado health department says later on today. Uh, I mentioned there's a new vaccine, another new vaccine. This one uh, getting released today or getting approved today. They authorized a vaccine in Britain that was created by Oxford University and AstraZeneca. It is um, there. It's going to stretch out the time between doses so that it allows more people to get some level of protection faster uh, as things start surging. It is expected to be uh, relied on in many countries because, one, it's lower cost than the others, and it can be kept in regular refrigerators rather than in freezers uh, like uh, the Pfizer vaccine and the uh, Moderna one. Even as the authorization was welcomed as a significant development in efforts to contain the virus that has killed nearly 1.8 million people in England, uh, the change in policy on administrating the shots drove home concerns about a new potentially more contagious variant. So another vaccine out there, that is always good news. Um, this sad news, and, I, and I'm wondering how you feel about this. Because, and it's, it's very tricky, I think, for us to talk about. Uh, you probably heard the news that uh, a Louisiana representative-elect named Luke Letlow, uh, died from coronavirus. He was 41. He died yesterday. Um, He announced on December 18th that he had tested positive. Uh, He's been in intensive care in Shreveport, Louisiana, since then. He served as chief of staff for former Representative Ralph Abraham before being elected to fill that seat. He was supposed to be sworn into Congress this coming Sunday. He's the first member or member-elect of Congress to die from the coronavirus. Uh, he has a wife, two small children, and it is it is horrible. I feel awful for his family. I feel awful for uh, for his friends. That is that is tragic, and it's one of those. It's you would think that then a high another high profile death because a lot of us we hear the numbers three hundred more than three hundred thousand people died, and we you know we we try to compartmentalize that and go well we we can't really see it we can't really figure it out but now you've got somebody in a high profile role now granted this is a man who has been firmly behind the no masks no uh you know don't need to worry about it it's not it's not that big a deal and you hope as tragic as his death is, you hope that his death maybe will send a message or teach a lesson or raise a little awareness about some, with some people who may be still doubting this. But I wonder if that's the case. When you hear news like this, that somebody who has basically been denying what needs to be done to help fight this pandemic dies... 
What do you feel? 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot more to get to, and we'll do it after this. want to talk to you, though, on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff. We're talking about the Louisiana Congressman-elect, uh, Luke Letlow, who died from coronavirus yesterday. He was 41 years old. According to the family, there were no other health issues. He went in, he announced on the 18th of December that he had corona, uh, COVID-19. He was then transferred to the intensive care unit in Shreveport. His uh, condition had deteriorated. He leaves behind a wife, two small children. Um, you know, as, as you can imagine, his colleagues in the Congress, uh, colleagues in his life are speaking out, uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said our hearts break tonight as we process the news. It is it is tragic when anybody dies of this, and over 300,000 people have died of it. But I'm wondering how you, how you feel when someone who has been an avid anti-masker, an avid proponent of guidelines to protect us, who has is, who is basically said... Listen, this disease isn't real. I take no joy in in this tragedy. It's horrible. But I'm wondering how you feel. It's There's a human component, and as distasteful sometimes as it sounds, where you go, well, you know, did, did that person get what they deserve? No, no, that's not, you know, nobody deserves... Nobody deserves that. Nobody deserves to be sick. Nobody deserves to die like that. It's, uh, it's horrible. But how do you feel? I, I hope... My hope is that from this tragedy, some people who may have been denying all of these things pay a little more attention. That doesn't that doesn't mean I am happy uh, that this transpired, because to be very clear, I am not. It is horrible. I feel badly for his wife and his kids and his friends. It's it's a tragedy. Maybe it's a tragedy that can help a few other people. Avoid it. What do you think? How are you feeling about this? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Gianni is in Montello. Hi, Gianni. Yes. Hello, hello, Brian. Good afternoon. Hey, you're doing a great job. I hope we we, we hear hear more of you in the in the well, future. But, hey, listen. This this is a very. I heard this last night. It's it's a very upsetting story. Uh, the fact that he was so young, and uh, you know, he leaves behind uh, a wife and and two young children. Um, Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but I, but I think that there's another angle to this that that probably isn't getting mentioned. Um, all the people that attended his rallies, um, his, his you know his um, you know flaunt the the, the mask uh, rules. Um, what about all those people? Um, uh, th- th- some of them probably contracted the virus while attending the rallies, but we're not going to hear about them. They're not going to make the news media right. uh, except as a, as a statistic. So, um, and, and as far as um, people learning from this, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit cynical on that. I, I, I think that unless things, you know, unless this happens to your family, um, a loved one, um, or someone close to you, then we, we, t- we tend to kind of blow it off and, and say, well, we'll take our chances, we'll roll the dice. And I, I see that, um, you know, in, in the area where I live, where, you know, the mask mandate, the social distancing, a significant number, uh, maybe twenty percent, uh, just blow it off. You know, yeah, blow and it that's, off, Brian. So, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm a little cynical about it as well, Gianni, and I appreciate the call. Uh, we hope we hope that 
people will pay them a little more attention. But people are people are set in their ways. They've they've made their decisions, and nothing is going to change their mind. Uh, I would hope that if you are a firm supporter of somebody, but I, I to be honest, I hope to this too. When the president got COVID, thankfully he recovered, and so did uh, the first lady and Baron. Uh, when they got it, I thought, well, maybe now people will see that anybody can get this. You know, it doesn't matter. But but, but, but that, that's true, Brian. Yes. But what about the treatment? I, I mean, the average person in Louisiana, you know, uh, they're pretty poor down there. I, I've been through yeah. there uh, several times, and, and they don't get they don't get the medical treatment and the health care that the president got or a congressman or a congressman no, nobody, would get. I don't think I, any, mean, I don't think any of us do, Gianni. Yeah, none no, of us, none of us there's do. There's a great disparity in the United States. So it definitely is. Well, thank you for the call, Gianni. Have a great day story. and happy New Year. We'll talk to you again. Uh, yeah, and I will say I know firsthand that New Orleans has been very, very strict about their mandates, uh, about the masking and social distancing and businesses, and they've they've opened things. And then they've had to close them again, and they've been very, very strict. But statewide, the numbers aren't great. But in New Orleans Parish, things are much better because they are really adhering to the suggestions. Uh, Marie is in Milwaukee. Hi, Marie. Hi. What do you think? Hello? Yep. Well, uh, I agree with you. Hopefully this will be an example, um, as I had stated to the man who called. Um, my, unfortunately, we've been careful, but my girlfriend, my son's girlfriend, her family decided to say screw it for Thanksgiving and all of this. And unfortunately, the majority of them have now tested positive, uh, including my son's living girlfriend and her mother sadly passed away on Sunday from COVID. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'm hoping that they, perhaps their friends and other people who were not being careful, perhaps learned a lesson from this, um, and that they also, too, will perhaps get through it and not be as reckless. Yeah, that would that would be the hope, Marie. I, I agree with you. Have a great day. Thank you for the call. Let's take a quick break. More of your calls, more of your texts, 855-616-1620. Your feelings when something like this happens with the uh, representative-elect Luke Letlow in Louisiana passing away from COVID at 41, uh, leaving behind a young family, a guy who has gone out of his way to be anti-mask, anti-precautions, all of those things uh, to stay lockstep with the administration. We take no joy in it. Do we learn a lesson from it? More on the other side, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We were talking about the representative-elect in Louisiana, a Republican representative who uh, died at 41 from COVID-19. Wondering how you feel when you hear the news like this. Can a lesson be learned from this tragedy, especially with his record of uh, not really taking the virus that seriously? Mark is in Kenosha. Hi, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. You know, um, I just want to offer my condolences to his family because I, I don't wish it on anyone. Uh, it, it's not a political issue anymore, and... Uh, 
it's, it's a humanitarian issue. And um, I just think that uh, I, I don't think that it's a case of someone got what they deserved or anything. I think that every single American life, life lost to this virus is a tragedy. And I, I just hope that somehow in the midst of all this darkness, that maybe if even one other person decides to take it more seriously, that maybe there's some type of silver lining and hopefully even just one other person, uh, you know, wears a mask, washes her hands more, uh, prevents the spread more and saves one other life. And, and hopefully we can find some bit of good in, in the, in all that's going on right now. It, it just breaks my heart to see the, the life lost here. Yeah, it's horrifying. Mark, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. It is it is unfortunate, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say this until I can't say it anymore. This should never have been a political issue. There is no there is no reason. I understand that there was concern about the economy. I understand there's concern about business. I listen, I want things open. I want people making money. I want people working. But there's a point where we had to where we needed to look past that. And I don't think we did. In fact, I know we didn't. Um, that's that. Can you be a little sensitive? We are being sensitive. I'm wondering, this is from a texter, I'm wondering, out of tragedy, what can we What can we glean from that? I think that's, uh, I'm, we've all said, and I've said, I will repeat it again in case this texter from the 262 did not hear me, this is a horrible tragedy. And I feel awful for his wife and his children and his friends. So now I'm asking you what you think about this. Obviously, you think talking about talking about it is in poor taste, and that's you know, everybody's got everybody's got the right to their opinion. Uh, Connie says I agree. People are set in their ways. Some of my relatives would not acknowledge that I had COVID, and two months later still have symptoms. Uh, from the 307, after hearing this news, I am definitely going to be more cognizant of social distancing, and I will continue to wear my mask. He was 41, so young. Could be any one of us. Yes, it could. All right, we are going to change the subject because uh, when we come back from the news, a lot of people are bailing from their towns, especially one that's close to us, and heading somewhere else. Why? And then what's it going to take for somebody to actually be shut out of your life? What would they have to do? We've got some interesting stories to talk about. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Noonan in for Jeff. I will be here today and tomorrow to wrap up 2020 and bid adieu to a year that most of us are very, very ready to see in the rearview mirror. Uh, running on empty. Good, uh, good song as we segue into this. I just found this very interesting. A lot of people have decided that during this pandemic they needed to move. Where are they moving? Most people are moving down south. Now, you, I guess that makes sense if you live here and you don't like winter anymore. Then you move somewhere warm. But a lot of people are moving because they were trying to get out of big cities. Uh, Americans departed. This according to relocation service provider Updater. They analyzed a random sampling of 1.5 million household moves across the U.S. that took place from January through November. Uh, it was designed to fairly reflect the increase or decrease in a city's residents based on each city's population. And the reason I found this interesting is the city here in Wisconsin was one of the cities where people were fleeing the most. 
And no, it is not Milwaukee, so you can probably figure out uh, where it was. Americans departed the largest, most densely, densely populated cities in the United States and went to smaller cities. It was one of the findings. Another finding, which makes perfect sense, southern states have been attractive destinations for years. It spiked during the pandemic. And I don't know if it's weather-related, city size-related, uh, relaxation of rules-related, because my neighbor, uh, two doors down, I saw them yesterday, and I said, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, we were in Florida. It was so great down there because you could do whatever you wanted. We were eating in restaurants. Nobody was wearing masks. And I was like, okay. Um, and these people had COVID last month. So, But anyway, enough of that. They were down in Florida. So I don't know if that's one of the reasons it doesn't get into it about why people left. It's just saying that people left. Uh, another finding, 17 of the top 20 cities for inbound growth were year-round warm weather cities. Only three were not. Uh, you did that math, 17 out of 20. Denver, Spokane, Washington, and Reno, Nevada are not year-round cities, but those were part of the top 20 of cities that saw the most. Um, it says, many industries were negatively affected during the pandemic. We know that, but the, in, the moving industry was no different. Early in the pandemic, people were not moving. They were staying in place because of all the shelter-in-place orders, things like that. People thought it was very dangerous to move. I mentioned yesterday that we had to move my, uh, we had to move my daughter from New York. She was in uh, Manhattan. We moved her back home for a month or so, and then she took a new job, so we moved her again. So we've done a couple of moves during the pandemic, which I, I was not a fan of, but we did them, and we were safe, and, and everything worked out okay. Uh, late As late spring and summer hit, many of America's largest, most populated cities experienced unprecedented resident loss. Uh, the 920 says, we just moved in the fall from uh, Kakwana to our first house in Green Bay. The market is still incredibly hot. Uh, it hit the market Thursday and had uh, an accepted offer on Sunday. Very nice. Yeah, so people are moving. They're moving uh, for all kinds of reasons. Where are they going? Well... The number one place, number one city that is having an influx of residents is Greenville, North Carolina. Actually, four cities in North Carolina were among the top 20. Um, Greenville, Raleigh were the first two. Um, Wilmington, and uh, hmm, I only see those three. But Madison is one of the cities where people were leaving the most, based on population. Uh, along with Odessa, Texas, San Francisco, Boston, New York, Detroit, uh, Waco, El Paso, Miami, and Provo, Utah. So Madison is losing a lot of their residents. I'm wondering, I wonder why that is. I wonder why Madison. Um, it, can't just be, it can't just be people with the university who are leaving. Other people have to be going too. Las Vegas was number two. A lot of cities in Florida. Tallahassee was number three. Um, yeah. If you're moving to Florida, move down. Don't be on the Panhandle, the Redneck Riviera. Go down where it's actually warmer. If you're going to Florida, go where it's warm. Uh, Denver, Spokane, Nashville, seeing a huge influx. Raleigh, North Carolina, I mentioned. Dallas, Phoenix, uh, West Palm Beach, Austin, Texas, Charlotte, Tampa, Orlando, Charleston and Myrtle Beach in South Carolina, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Fort Myers, Florida. So 
There you go. People are heading out. Uh, they're trying to get out. Have you considered this? Have you considered moving because, one, of the pandemic, two, just you're tired of where you're at and you're ready for a change? Or are you set? This is where you're staying? Absolutely, absolutely no need to go anywhere else. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When we come back, how far does someone have to go before you cut them out of your life? Before you say, listen, you, you've crossed the line now. I cannot deal with this. Uh, I have a story that will illustrate this. It is, it is crazy. Crazy, crazy. Um, 262 says people are leaving democratic cities and states. I wonder if you will say it on the air. Yes, I said it on the air. Oh, my goodness. Does that blow your conspiracy theory? Uh, yes, I said it. I know. Listen, I know that's why a lot of people were leaving Illinois because of the uh, the democratic government and the taxes and everything else. A lot of people are fleeing Illinois. I know when I lived in California, that's why a lot of people left California because of the taxes and everything else there under democratic leadership. So it's not a surprise. That doesn't, you know, that's not, you're not breaking new ground, 262. So there, not only did I say it, I expanded on it. Man, oh man. Oh, Kyle, it's another lovely day at the end of the year. 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A couple final uh, texts on uh, people moving, leaving a lot of places, Madison one of them, and moving down south. Out of the 20 states that are seeing an influx of population, 17 of them are down south. Jeff in Fox Point says, when I was laid off, I almost moved to Appleton uh, for the lower cost of living, but I got a job in Brown Deer, so I stayed put. And uh, from the 262, we moved out of Oconomowoc to Raleigh, North Carolina in October simply because of several reasons. One, weather. Two, taxes. Three, Governor Evers is in over his head. And four, way more technology and industry opportunities available here. Um, Mitch says, you mentioned a huge reason local and state taxes in liberal states and or cities are pretty strangulating uh, as much as 12% combined. Yeah, taxes, uh, you know. Taxes are a huge thing. People want to go where they can live comfortably. And if you're in a in an industry or if you have a profession where you know you can get a job and you can live a better quality of life, why not? Why not move? If you've always and, and even if it's not somewhere that you quote unquote always dreamed of living, it's just somewhere where you're like, Oh, I investigated this place. Uh and it seems like fun, and, and there's a lot of job opportunities, and I think this might uh, this might be the place to go. You know, this is uh, this is what's going on. All right, this story uh, is crazy, and the basic question is: uh, first of all, when you hear this story, would you let this woman still come to your wedding? And secondly, at what point do you just cut people out of your life and say, "Okay, uh, you"? are nuts you are nuts a woman has been accused of trying to get her future sister-in-law fired from her job why well it's very serious it's a horrible reason because the bride-to-be said kids aren't allowed at her upcoming wedding kyle did you have uh, did you allow children at your wedding 
Uh, well, Kaylee and I had a super small ceremony this year. Um, we, it was went from 120 to 30 people, and I think uh, my aunt and uncle have a have a son and daughter that are around 12 and 14, okay. somewhere around there. So that's that's about as young as, as it gets. But I, I don't even know if I have extended family members that have small children i'm lucky enough to that i don't have that in my life anymore everybody yeah everybody's everybody's older because at 14 you're you're still you know you're old enough to know what's going on you're not going to be running up and down the aisles at church screaming and crying and uh, making a scene as other little kids do i because i listen i understand this edict from people to not have little kids at their wedding when my wife and i got married and that was a while ago uh, 28 years almost, but um, my uh, I only had a couple cousins who were young, and one of them was the flower girl, and one was a ring bearer, uh, my wife's cousin, my cousin, but there weren't that many little kids, but I've gone to weddings where they said, listen, you can't bring real little kids, and for the most part, if you're going to a wedding, do you really want to bring little kids? Don't you want to go and have a good time and enjoy yourself? But anyway, back to the story. The unidentified bride-to-be, who posted her story on Reddit, says she and her fiancé decided to impose the no-children policy because the groom's niece is autistic and can't handle being around other kids. My future sister-in-law has told us that her daughter will also be at the reception and that she uh, she just can't be put with a sitter even though I'm a special education teacher, so I have a friend who would be willing to watch her instead of going to the reception. That according to the bride-to-be. While the couple put their foot down, said, sorry, future uh, sister-in-law, they went to, the future sister-in-law went to the bride's workplace and attempted to convince her supervisor that she's quote-unquote unfit for her job, according to the bride. One Reddit user responded to the story by writing, I'd hire a lawyer after publicly dragging her through as much hell and personal misery as I could. Uh, She'd be dead to me for all eternity. All right, first of all, as I said, this story is insane. For you to say, okay, you can't, you, you can't bring a kid to the wedding, that's enough to get somebody fired or try to get somebody fired? Have you been in a, in a position where somebody reached the, the limit where you just I, I can't do this? And furthermore, would you let this woman come to your wedding? Would you, would you let the future sister-in-law... Come to the wedding, or do you tell your friends, listen, you got it. Your sister isn't coming. This is insane. She's got to go. There is absolutely no way this woman is coming to my wedding. I remember only when I when I was I, I don't know, I was maybe in seventh or eighth grade, my aunt got married. And it was one of those where we were allowed to go to the church because I was an altar boy. I served I served the wedding mass, but then we weren't allowed to go to the reception. And again, oh, from the 262, absolutely no way she would be at my wedding. No, she wouldn't be at my wedding. She wouldn't be at Christmas. She wouldn't be at Thanksgiving. I wouldn't invite her over on 4th of July to shoot a Roman candle at her. She'd be gone. She got to go. And I know that makes it hard if if your husband's sister is a psychopath. But come on. And we've we've all been to events. And I love kids. I do. I, I love children. But there's a point where kids don't belong everywhere. It's like these restaurants that get in trouble because they put up signs that say, you know, no children under 10 can come in or no children at all. 
or places that say these are these are adults only. You can't bring your kids in here, and people get all bent out of shape. Well, my my child is special. I should be able to bring my child wherever I want. No, you shouldn't. Sometimes your kid needs to be at home, and this is this is probably one of the. You know, this is a hot take right here. If you can't afford a babysitter, stay home. Find find a friend. Find a family member. But you can't. Kids can't go everywhere. And listen, I know, I know that babysitters are expensive. So it's not, it, and it's not an easy thing. And if you have a number of kids, it's cost prohibitive sometimes. But that then, unfortunately, as a parent, the sacrifices come to you. Uh, somebody said I'd be worried what she'd do at the wedding. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because if she went to all this trouble prior to the wedding to try to get you fired and sabotage your entire life, what's she gonna? You know, she's the one who's standing up when they ask, uh, "Does anybody here object to this wedding?" I don't even know if they still do that. But if they do, you know she'd be standing up screaming something incoherent. Or she'd bring, you know, a doll that looked like her child. And uh, one of those Betty Wetzelot dolls. And it'd, be, it'd just be a whole big thing. No, no, no. She can't go. But we, there, I think there needs to be places where you don't bring kids. And unless it's, unless it's a really close family member or you have a lot of little kids in the family or the bride and groom just say we don't care yeah bring your kids that's cool but if you get an invitation and it says uh you know mr brian noonan and guest i'm guessing it's another adult or mr and mrs brian noonan that doesn't mean you bring your whole family uh ban the mother seems like it's easier now to keep the kid out too yeah it's easier now to keep her out than the kid yeah, it's you gotta. I don't know. We had an adult reception only from the four one four. No accommodations at the reception venue. Yeah, there's a listen. You don't. You don't want to have to worry about a kid being at certain places. And I know. Listen, if 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 there's a day to be kind of selfish, your wedding is one of those days where it's okay to be selfish. And I know there's a lot of little kids who never have meltdowns. But I know there's also a lot of kids who, when they get very tired or they're overstimulated by a huge crowd and loud music and people who are all hammered up, you know, they're going to they're gonna lose it a little bit. <sighs> I don't know. All right, we got some more texts coming in, some more calls. we got to take a quick break. But uh, the 262 says, this is why you will open. That's <laughs> that is exactly it. Uh, why, why do we need to hear every year from law enforcement to not do a certain thing on New Year's Eve? We'll get into that, some more of your comments on this, and a lot more before the top of the hour here on WTMJ. Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner. We were talking about this uh, bride-to-be saying her future sister-in-law sabotaged her at work. And uh, Rich says, my family, as soon as you threaten my livelihood, you become my enemy. Yes, uh, listen, there's nothing unusual about that. Why, every year, we hear from law enforcement officials all over the country prior to New Year's Eve about one issue that I do, do not understand. Maybe you do. Maybe you partake in it. Uh, this story came out of Houston, but you could you could insert any city in the byline. Houston police chief is issuing a warning for those engaging in celebratory gunfire on New Year's Eve. Kyle, do you go out? Uh, do you go out and blast? Uh, pop a couple caps on New Year's Eve? 
<laughs> I can't, can't say that I have, but uh, I'd try anything once, I guess, in a safe environment. <laughs> I've heard, I hear this every year, and I don't understand the the allure. I don't understand people who will do it. The police chief said the department will be deploying teams to arrest those engaging in this deadly conduct. They even have a hashtag, celebratory gunfire. Uh, it shouldn't need to be said what comes up must come down. Hashtag celebratory gunfire injures and kills people. Celebrate safely. Uh, their tweet included a video raising awareness of the deadly practice. This this is one of those things. It's like when your favorite team wins a championship and then you set cars on fire. I don't understand how ringing in the new year uh, is made any better by shooting your gun into the air. And this is not an anti, anti-gun sentiment. This is an anti-stupidity sentiment. You can have all the guns you want, but to go out on New Year's Eve and shoot them into the air... What are you shooting at? Father Time? You know those bullets are coming back down somewhere, right? So, I know I don't need this, and part of me is mad at myself for even saying it, but don't shoot your gun off in the air on New Year's Eve, please. Use your head. Don't don't be an idiot. There's plenty of other ways for us to be idiots. We don't need to be idiots with possible deadly consequences. <sighs> Everybody's got random facts in their head, random fun facts. I want to hear yours on the other side of the news, which comes your way after this on 620 WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here is your host, Brian Noonan. Well, 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 here we go. Final hour of the big broadcast. Uh, this is... I'm going to give you a little inside baseball move. And uh, it's I know this is happening at companies all over when there's a new system put in place and you're trying to figure it out, especially when you're a guy like me who I'm okay with technology. I'm not, I'm not a Luddite by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm also not a guy who is on the cutting edge. I'm not an early adopter of a lot of things. So uh, there's been a change in one of the automation systems here at WTMJ for uh, how we do things, how we enter things. Um, and, oh, man, it's driving me crazy. Kyle, have you mastered it yet, Kyle? Uh, no. Uh, it's okay. it's a hours logging system, uh, punching in and punching out, basically. And, no, I don't have it at all. I, I did remember to do it today, but everything else, Monday and Tuesday, I forgot to punch in, punch out, yeah. and uh, obviously the supervisor is is on vacation this week. Right. So, yeah, it'll have to all be taken care of next week, and I'm sure uh, the supervisor is just thrilled because I know I'm not going to be the only one contacting them to, to oh, fix yeah. my errors. I can only imagine them going, really? People, you're, you're professionals. You can't figure out how to put your time in. But that, it used to be you just went in, and this... I'm, I know other companies are going through this. I know you've had to go through something like this at your job where you did something the same way for forever. And all of a sudden it changed. And you were like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm not one of these people who are completely resistant to change. I understand things, uh, you do things differently sometimes. But then you try to go in and you go, the old way was so easy. This is, this is a nightmare. So yes, I'm sure our, uh, our, managers will be very excited to be fielding a million emails and texts going hey i can't you know i don't know how to do this what's going on yes yeah, and the, then sent them the email on on monday saying hey forgot to punch in uh i'm going to be punching out at this time and then tuesday i think it was like halfway through my shift where i said oh yeah i forgot to do that again today so sent another email saying hey me again forgot again for the second day in a row so please fix that 
Yeah, well, now I have to do that because I, I also was one of these guys who got an email and I had to ask you because I thought it was spam because I'm so worried. This is, you know, people joke that we live in fear if we wear a mask. I live in fear of opening an email that is a fishing expedition that has a virus in it, especially when it's, you know, my personal email, I got I kind of have the vibe. But when it's a business email, you never you're never quite sure. And so I had to say to I said to Kyle today, uh, "Hey, is this a legit deal? <laughs> Are we really supposed to make this switch?" He's like, "Yeah, you're, you know." I was like, "All right." So you know, it's happening to us. It's happening to you. Uh, I guess as as 2020 has taught us, the key word for 2020 has been pivot. We've all had to pivot in one way or another. We've all had to adapt. We've all had to make changes. Uh, I just hate it when it's uh, I hate it when it's technology changes because those are the hardest things for me to do. Well, that is a random fact about me that you may not have known. I love that people have a million random facts bouncing around in their head. Fun facts, just things that you know that you think maybe we don't know. And that's what I want to talk to you about at 855-616-1620. We are going to learn some things before the year comes to an end. So I want to hear a random fun fact that you have bouncing around in your noggin. For example, koalas are really, really, really not smart. That is a fact. If you change the form of their food, for example, if you put eucalyptus on a plate, they will starve to death rather than eat it because they can't recognize it. That is a fact. So koalas, while cute, are dumb as stumps. Random fun fact. Here's another random fun fact. We live closer to when T-Rex lived than T-Rex did to when Stegosaurus lived. I don't know where some of these fun facts are coming from, but they are random. And this I found this uh I found this list and people were people were texting these in. People were texting in their fun facts. Now, granted, if you want to be a fact checker, you can go and try to uh, you can try to fact check some of these, but really none of them are going to affect our daily lives. So they're just random fun facts. For example, from the two six two, only female mosquitoes bite. Now that is a fact that I knew, but maybe some people did not. Fun fact. Another two six two number. Fun fact: goosebumps are made to ward off predators. Is it to is it to ward them off? To keep to scare them away or to let you know that predators are close. Either way, good fun fact. From the 920, my grandma used to say, rain before 7, clear by 11. Pay attention to that in the spring and summer and see how often it holds true. Fun fact from that texter's grandma. When you look at a flower, some of the photons that entered your eye just ended at a one hundred thousand just en- ended a one hundred thousand year journey from the center of the sun. Nobody else can see them. Whoa, that's a little trippy, I would say, but uh, a fun fact: the act of touching glasses to cheers to toast somebody comes from medieval suspicions of poisoning each other. So you'd slam mugs together to spill each other's drinks into your own to show trust and that you weren't trying to kill somebody else. Wow. That is interesting. I never slam my glass that hard. But I I also, usually the people I'm with that I'm toasting something, I don't believe they're trying to kill me. What are random fun facts that are bouncing around your head that you want to use to 
Educate the rest of us, 855-616-1620. We'll get some more of yours and some more of these on the other side. It's WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Talking to you and sharing random fun facts that are bouncing around in your head that you want to share with all of us. Some of them we may know, some of them we may not, and we will be uh, we will be shocked and amazed, and we will go into 2021 a little more knowledgeable. Isn't that fun? Dennis is in uh, Kowaskum. Hi, Dennis. Hi, how are you? I am well. What random I fun just... fact do you have for us? Well, a little-known fact even amongst uh, shotgunners and people who shoot is that how the gauge thing came about with shotguns. And it came about and how many balls you could make, round balls that fit in the bore, out of a pound of lead. So hence, a 12-gauge is actually made that way so you could make 12 round balls out of an ounce of lead that would fit in that bore. Consequently, huh. also, like uh, a 20 gauge being smaller, you can make 20 round balls out of a pound of lead to fit that smaller bore. So a 20 gauge, 20, 16 gauge, all those are are uh, designed or called that because you can make that many round balls out of a pound of lead that would fit that bore. I don't huh. know. A lot of people well, don't know that, and I don't no, know why listen. I know it. I don't know why you know it either, but you do, and now we all know it thanks to you. So thanks, Dennis. That was great. Well, there you go. All I right, appreciate thanks. it. Have a good day. Take care. This, that, those are the kind of random fun facts. Did you know that? Did you know Dennis's uh, explanation of the gauges? I did not. Uh, let's see. A couple more coming out of the text line. The flip side of itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini is don't dilly-dally Sally. <laughs> all right? Uh, that is that is definitely as far as random facts go. That's that is probably one of the most random we will hear. Now this one I knew from the two six two. Prince wrote "Manic Monday" for the Bangles. That one I did know, and I knew this one too. Uh, video killed the radio star by the Buggles was what? It was the first video shown on MTV. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Your random facts. This one. This one I had to read a couple times, uh, one, because I'm slow, and two, because it's, uh, it's one of those uh, existential fun facts. Egg salad is technically also chicken salad. Whoa. Heavy. That one's deep. Would you, would you not agree? Yes. Uh, I'm trying to... <laughs> Somebody sent one. They have a, a fact, an oh my god, facts calendar. Uh, one of the texters from the two six two, and it's um, there's a German word, a long German word that I cannot pronounce that starts with back, uh, but it is a German term for a face that badly needs a punch. I I need to learn how to pronounce that German term so I can uh, so I can use that fun fact. Flamingos, according to Jeff, are born white and turn pink because of their diet. That I knew too. I don't know why I know that, but that one, I, that one I do know. Bloodhounds can be used as evidence in court. I did not know that, Jill. These are random fun facts. There's only one letter that doesn't appear in any U.S. state name. That's from Cindy. What? Is, 
Oh, I was going to say, what is it, Cindy? Don't leave us hanging. It's Q. Q is the one letter that does not uh, does not appear in any state name, and you are correct. So there's another another lovely, random, fun fact. Jeff is in Caledonia. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon. How are you? I am well. What do you got for us? I've got the old uh, old fashioned saying, a pint's a pound the world around, which is, is nice when you're calculating things. You know, a gallon's eight pints and it weighs eight pounds. Uh, okay. 16 ounces is a pound and, and that's a pint. A pint's a pound the world around. I'm gonna, I haven't heard that's that, but you're, you're absolutely right. It makes perfect yeah. sense. All right. At, Happy New Year. Look at that, Jeff. You've you've educated and enlightened us. Thank you very much. That's what we're looking for. Some facts that will make us go, huh? What do you know about that? A couple little things. Uh, here's a fun fact: they can't ever close Elvis's estate unless it stops making money because he died without a will. There's a captive law firm that does nothing but Elvis law. As a result, who knew that? Uh, I am a baseball field consultant and renovator, says Mitch in Sturgeon Bay. Did you know the black of home plate, for all practical purposes, doesn't exist? Is that the back of home plate? The black edge is now angled and buried below the surface of the batter's area. So when the announcer says the pitcher is hitting the black, he really isn't. I'm trying to picture. I mean, I know what home plate looks like. I understand the angles. Oh, and those get buried underground. That is a fun fact. Kyle, do you have any random facts that I'm sure you have a head full of facts, probably a lot of them very well researched, but do you have any just really the weirdest, most random fact that you know? Boy, you know, uh, I didn't really have anything off the cuff of my sleeve, but give me a couple minutes and I'll, right. uh, I'll, I'll dig in the time. crevices and I'll find something. We're here till three. You take your time. Take your time and, uh, and, and relax. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping this is a. Uh, I'm hoping this is a, a farmer, and not just some guy who's been on the internet for too long. But a pig's uh, moment of ecstasy lasts up to 90 minutes, according to, <laughs> according to this. That is again. That is a random fact. It is disturbing that you would know this fact, unless again you uh, raise hogs. But. Uh, that's a little crazy. All right. Your random fun facts. More of them at 855-616-1620. The AccuDep Mortgage Talk and Text Line. On the other side, it's WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Got time for a few more random fun facts. If you have them, you can keep sending them in, and we'll try to uh, drop some more in as the show goes on. Todd's in Milwaukee. Hi, Todd. Hi. How are you? I am well. What's your fun a- fact? I've got a fun one for you. It's rock and roll trivia. Who sings background vocals on You're So Vain by Carly Simon? I don't know. Now you're going to hear it. Once I say it, when you hear them singing the chorus, it's Mick Jagger. Really? All right, well, maybe Kyle will play that when we're coming back from the news. So Mick Jagger seems backup on the chorus of You're So Vain. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, we will be listening. Thank you for the tip, Todd. Uh, Let's see. The tradition of saluting comes from the days of knights raising their visors when they greeted one another. That's a fun fact. All even highways, according to the 414, all even highways run east and west, and all odd highways run north and south. Again, 
something that I had uh, I had absolutely no idea about. Ta- Taco Cat is Taco Cat spelled backwards. <laughs> You're right, Ross. Now that all right, if we're putting if if we're putting most random facts, that's got to be one of the top ones that we've had so far. Uh, also in Milwaukee, all even number addresses are on the east side and north side of the street. Uh, while all odd numbers are on the west and south side. All right. From the 920, another random fun fact. I'm giving you another couple minutes, Kyle, to come up with your random fun fact. All bell peppers start out green. The longer they are allowed to mature determines whether they become yellow and ultimately bright red. They're no different. They're they're no different uh, just because of their color. That's true. You know, unless you do something to the pepper. I didn't know. I don't. I didn't know this part. Uh, this fact I, I did not know, but I know from taste, if you just cut a raw red pepper, a yellow pepper, and a green pepper, the bell peppers, they all taste exactly the same. So this makes this makes a little more sense. Uh, male sheep have more wool than female sheep, and the wool is higher quality if the sheep have been castrated. I would need, uh, I would need some backup on that from uh, somebody who raises sheep, but... You know, those are the kind of fun facts we're looking for. All right, Kyle, we're getting close to the news. Have you come up with a fun fact? Yeah, actually, I couldn't really think of one until I, I just searched weird fun facts, but then I realized I actually knew this, and I learned this a couple weeks ago. Ah. Um, but the inventor of the, uh, the, the, the chips, the Pringles, uh, his name is Frederick Bauer, and he is buried... Uh, his remains are in a Pringles can. He is buried inside of a Pringles can, and uh, that's how his family decided to um, lay him to rest. Wow, I like that. That is a nice, random, fun fact. They didn't give me a location, though, so uh, I don't know where, where this Pringles can is or if it's actually in a cemetery or if it's uh, on somebody's mantle, but he's in there. Fun fact, what separates, what differentiates, rather, a cemetery from a graveyard? I don't know. Is there an actual answer to that? Yes, of course. Why would I bring it up? (laughs) Yes, a graveyard, to be a graveyard, you have to be adjacent to a church. A cemetery can be wherever. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. There's there's another little fun fact. So many fun facts and so much fun coming from the Sunshine State. We are going to take a year-long look at one of my favorite areas for stupidity, Florida News, coming your way on the other side of the real news. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm going to have to listen to that closer. One of our uh, one of our callers before with a random fun fact said that Mick Jagger sings backup. On that chorus, did you hear it, Kyle? Could you hear Mick Jagger? Yeah, I heard it. You heard it? I'm a, maybe it's uh, well, one. I've, I've been wearing headphones for too many years, so I've, my hearing's probably not the best. But uh, there you go. All right, that was uh, that was uh, one of the fun facts. Our last, uh, well, another fun fact that came in: uh, black bears, unlike most animals, have their young in the late fall. They nurse their newborn cubs in their hibernation den. Another fact that I was unaware of, but uh, I appreciate people sharing. I always like to share just some of the dumbest stories in the world. And most of those dumb stories seem to come from one place. And that place is Florida. So without any further ado, let's have a little Florida news, Kyle. 
Rejected state songs. Come to Florida and die. All the good stories come from Florida. It's America's trailer park. You know that. Woo! Uh-oh. Brian sees some blips on his Floridar. Get ready to go from classy to trashy. This is Florida News. Woo! You know it's a good segment when the nature boy Ric Flair uh, is your outro, outro with a woo. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard of Florida News, of course you have. All, anytime you hear somebody tell a stupid story, there's a good chance that it starts with a Florida man. Uh, for example, uh, an Uber driver walloped over a mask demand. An Uber driver was assaulted by a passenger who was told that he would have to wear a mask if he wanted to ride in the victim's vehicle, according to Florida police. Uh, according to arrest effort, David, a 30-year-old man summoned an Uber around 4.30 a.m. to a waterfront complex. Uh, the driver showed up, uh, told him that he had to wear a mask or he couldn't ride. The investigators alleged then that the man blew into the driver's face through the window. Uh, when the man exited the car, the uh, the guy who had requested a ride punched him in the face. So those are the kind of stories that come from Florida. And because we are approaching the end of the year, there's always a nice roundup of Florida man stories. So uh, without any further ado... These are the top 10 Florida man stories of 2020. Number 10, Florida man hospitalized after iguana runs into his bike causing a crash. You are not going to hear that story here in Milwaukee. A 62-year-old marathon man required stitches to his head after an iguana ran in front of his bicycle and caused him to crash. There were reports of uh, dog-sized uh, lizards falling out of trees in Florida. I don't know if that, uh, that did not make the list, but it could be. Number 9. Florida man arrested on allegations he used COVID relief funds to buy a Lamborghini. Uh, the man was arrested and charged after authorities said he used it to buy a Lamborghini and uh, bank millions of dollars. We don't know what he did. Number eight, Florida man pulls gun, makes death threat in mask argument at Walmart. Some of these are going to be very similar, I think. Things got heated at a Walmart store in Royal Palm Beach. Uh, an unmasked man pulled a gun on a masked shopper in an apparent confrontation over wearing facial coverings. Yeah, it's probably best, especially if you're in Florida, to um, not confront the maskless or the masked. Just to go on about your business. Number seven, Florida man and dog attacked by alligator. Again, another story you are not going to hear in Milwaukee. I don't think. Unless you're at the zoo. But uh, in September, quick action saved the life of a Port St. Lucie man who was attacked by a large alligator while he was out walking his dog. Those are You, you hear those all the time in Florida. Uh, sometimes in South Carolina, you'll get a nice gator story. I was... Uh, have you ever come face-to-face with an alligator or a crocodile, Kyle? No, but I always remember being at like Disney World and them having signs like, Don't go near the water. There might be an alligator in there. It's true. I was, uh, when I was on the road, I was working in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and the place I was staying was uh, right on a golf course. So the guy I was working with, I decided we're going to take a walk. We're out on the golf course, and right by a water hazard, we in the, it's a little ways in the distance, probably 50 yards maybe, we see some baby gators near the shore. Well, we're, you know, we're not dumb, so we don't go right up to them. We take another couple steps. All of a sudden, the mama gator comes popping out of the uh, popping out of the weeds and starts zigzagging down the fairway toward us. Like ah, 
So gators are uh, gators are the truth. You don't mess with the gators. He killed my leader, and I have to kill him. Florida man accused of threatening uh, the president over airstrike that killed an Iranian general. That uh, is number six of Florida man. This guy had uh, cream on his face, a towel on his head, and uh, what appeared to be a shower curtain over his body. The Florida man was arrested for threatening the president on Facebook. Very dumb Florida man. Another mask meltdown in Florida. At number five, Florida man fired after mask meltdown video at Costco goes viral. I bet you saw this one. I remember this one quite clearly. A Florida man was fired from his job as an insurance agent after a videotaped tirade inside a Costco went viral. And no, he was not wearing a mask. And he was screaming at all. Everybody. Everybody. Oh, this this ties in. How's this for a random fact? You're using the Final Fantasy VII Chocobo Race song for your Florida news segment. Yes, that's because the person who put it together is a uh, crazed gamer. So you are right. Very good. Number four. Florida man and self-described white supremacist knocks female bartender unconscious. In Sarasota, this happened. Number three. Sheriff's office. Florida man bakes dog in oven. Number two. Florida Trump supporter charged after allegedly punching Biden fan over yard signs quarrel. Those were happening all over, but they came to a head in Florida. Deputies charged a Florida supporter of uh, President Trump with misdemeanor after he punched a Joe Biden fan because of a quarrel over yard signs. And the number one Florida man story of the year. Florida man wanted by police arrested after streaming live video of himself on social media. Because criminals are very, very smart. A Florida felon wanted for violation of probation live streamed his own arrest on social media while on a jet ski. The ultimate Florida man story. There you have it. The top 10 Florida man stories of 2020 wrapping up this year in Florida news. Uh, this just in, uh, an icon for many of us and perhaps some of our first crushes uh, is in the news for not a very good reason. We will uh, talk about that after this on WTMJ. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Nope, surprise, it's me, Brian Noonan, here uh, today for the rest of the day and tomorrow. And then Jeff will be back next week. Uh, a couple more random facts. Come in. Now, right before, uh, after the news, we played uh, the You're So Vain chorus. And I asked Kyle if he heard Mick Jagger. He said, yes, somebody else texted in plain as day. I never knew Mick Jagger sang on that song. So uh, that was one of our random fun facts that Mick Jagger sang backup on You're So Vain. A couple others uh, coming through. Dolphins and humans are the only animals to have sex for pleasure. Horses can't throw up. Pill bugs have 14 legs. And here's one for me today. Fun fact. Today is National Bacon Day. I think I know what I'm going to have for lunch. Think about it. Go down and have a little bacon. Bacon is always a great idea, but then it's it's kind of a hassle to make, right? You got to fry it. If you're one of the people who fried in a pan, I have found for, I have found the pleasure of the fully cooked bacon that you just microwave. Like if I'm just gonna have. 
put some on a burger or something, or I need a couple pieces of bacon for a recipe, I just use that. It works just as well. But today is the day to celebrate bacon. Uh, so there's my there's another fun fact. If you have a random fun fact and you can get it in before the end of the show, that would be lovely. Uh, I mentioned that uh, this is breaking news, and it's uh, not good, but a woman who, for many of us, uh, played a big role in our youth has passed away due to COVID-19. Uh, Dawn Wells, who you know as Marianne from Gilligan's Island, died today of COVID-19 uh, complications. She was 82. She um, died this morning in Los Angeles from, quote, causes related to COVID, according to her representative. Uh, she passed peacefully and in no pain. This was a big debate. Now, you're a young man, Kyle. Do you have any, do you know Gilligan's Island at all? Do you have any recollection of Gilligan's Island? Just in the fact that it was a show and it was popular, I, I didn't watch it when I was a kid. I wasn't around. Yeah, no, you you were not. And it was it went away. It was a it was a huge show. Uh, it started in the '60s. It carried on into the '70s, which is when I watched it. Uh, basically, you you know the story. Uh, seven stranded castaways. The ship uh, the ship there was a big storm. Ship ended up on an island. There was nobody there. There was a Gilligan who was the first mate to the skipper, who was kind of a goof. There was the professor, there was Marianne, there was Ginger, the Hollywood bombshell, there was uh, Mr. and Mrs. Howell, the billionaire and his wife. Uh, I don't know how all these people ended up on this little, uh, the SS Minnow, this tiny little sightseeing boat, but they ended up on this island, and all kinds of hilarity ensued. They could never get off. But the big debate off the island, the big debate was people fell into one of two camps. They were either Marianne guys or they were Ginger guys. And this is, uh, this is a debate I remember people having when I was a kid and even older, and I would imagine now there are still guys who remember watching Gilligan's Island, and for whatever reason, they gravitated toward one or the other. And I'm not a psychologist, so I can't tell you what it means if you were, if you were a... Uh, a Marianne fan other over a Ginger fan or vice versa, I always fell into the Marianne camp. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Kyle, you, you don't remember this. Uh, she, she was really the pioneer of the Daisy Duke shorts, Marianne. And she wore a little gingham top that was uh, tied in the middle, and she was, just, she was just cute as a button. She was a wholesome Kansas farm girl. The character was. We don't know if Dawn Wells was, but she seemed to. She seemed to in interviews over the years always uh, always portray that very fun, that fun personality. So I was, I was Marianne, and I don't know. I, I've thought of this over the years, not all the time. I don't ruminate on it, but I wonder if the people who were in the Marianne camp were in the Marianne camp because she seemed like a more accessible girl or woman that you could date. You know, um, you could really, you could go out with a Marianne kind. You could meet a Marianne kind at your school or your job or all over. Uh, whereas Ginger was this really manufactured Hollywood bombshell. She was some sort of, uh, to somebody, she was some sort of an ideal. You know, she was, she was this fantasy girl that was outside your reach. Where like... Hey, am I lying to say that it seemed at times like Gilligan had a shot with Marianne? So if Gilligan had a shot with Marianne, then we all had a shot with Marianne. That was my 
and again, this is this is all kid uh, going on in a kid's mind or a teenager's mind. That doesn't mean we're not relating that to the real characters or the real actors who played those characters. We're just you know we're just talking about that. All right, nine two zero sent this fun fact about Gilligan's Island. It's based on the seven deadly sins. Please elaborate, nine two zero, because that I don't uh, that I do not understand. But if you could elaborate on that, it would be uh, I would love to see it. So she did uh, she did play this this uh, lovely character, this wholesome character, for all those years, and uh, she gave an interview. Don Wells did not too long ago about the life lessons and about the series and what it meant to uh, to people. She said, "quote It was a fun, silly show that made you laugh and didn't preach to the audience." But there was an awful lot in the character of Marianne that kids could learn from today. She was fair. Uh, she pitched in to help. She had standards. She wasn't worried about a $500 purse. And she would be your best friend that you could trust. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Uh, she said she enjoyed working on the show, got along with her fellow castaways, even Tina Louise, the woman who played Ginger, now who is now the only surviving original cast member. Uh, there had been rumors over the years that those two did not get along. She put that down as uh, false. And in uh, 2018, there was a crowdfunding effort because she had been, uh, Don Wells had been hurt hard by the banking crash. She lost everything, including her life savings. Uh, then she had to have surgery, which was uh, coming close to killing her. A crowdfunding raised nearly $200,000 for her back then. So Don Wells, Mary Ann has passed away from COVID-19. She was 82, and that is, uh, for, for many of us, that is part of, our, part of our childhood that has gone away. Uh, from, let's see, I always was a Lovey fan myself <laughs> from the 414. I have a feeling that's a small fan club, 414, uh, just you hanging out. Taylor says, I always thought Ellie May on the Beverly Hillbillies was the first Daisy Duke shorts. Oh, Gilligan was in 64. All right. You know what? I didn't. I wasn't thinking about uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. But, Taylor, you could be right. I, I stand corrected. I'm not going to, you know, that's not a hill I'm willing to die on. Who had the first Daisy Dukes? Was it Ellie May or, uh, or uh, Mary Ann? I'll give it to you. So, um Somebody said to ask Scott about the seven deadly sins theory, that they, they have also heard that. I have not. I don't know. Um, all right, here it is. Somebody texted it to me. So, it's almost always Gilligan who unwittingly sabotages the castaways at a rest, at, uh, chance at a rescue. Let me see. What seemed to be a perfectly disarming, if somewhat frustrating situation comedy was a representation of the Sartre-like netherworld in which characters represent the seven deadly sins, forced in the days after Armageddon, in the form of the Flood, to live in unceasing torment with each other. The viewers witnessed the character's eternal damnation through Gilligan, a name derived from the Scottish Gilly, a hunting or fishing guide. Also symbolizing the sin of sloth, Gilligan has fallen among the other sinners through his own inability or unwillingness to escape. In the show, it is almost always Gilligan who unwittingly sabotages the castaway's attempts at a rescue. One interpretation of the Gilligan's Island Deadly Sins correspondence is pride, the professor, covetousness, Mr. Howell, lust, ginger, anger, Mrs. Howell, gluttony, the skipper, 
Envy, Marianne, and Sloth, Gilligan. Envy, Marianne. I don't... Hmm. Sometimes I think these theories, uh, you're, you're reaching a little bit. I could see pride for the professor. He was proud of what he did. I don't know. I don't know. Well, there it is. There's your there's your theory. That's something else to ruminate on if you want to think about Gilligan, Gilligan's Island being a representation of the seven deadly sins. While you uh, while you think about the fact that uh, Marianne is no longer with us, so Don Wells rest in peace. Real quickly, here's a story that really shouldn't be making any uh, any news, and yet I am shocked that it is everywhere. The uh, have you heard about Alec Baldwin's wife, Hilaria Baldwin? And the backlash, people who are saying she uh, she has claimed to be of Spanish descent for all these years. She's not really Spanish. Um, I don't understand why we care, why this is on every news station, why it is in every newspaper. But uh, she actually was in the New York Times telling, uh, saying she can't understand the public interest over the past few days in whether she is or isn't from Spain. It's been very surreal, and she has done nothing wrong. She said, I moved to New York when I was 19 years old, and I have lived here since. For me, I feel like I've spent 10 years sharing that story over and over again. Now it seems like it's not enough. So I guess this all started uh, because she put a social uh, social media. This again, stay off social media. People pointed out that in the comments of one of her recent Instagram videos that her usual Latin accent was gone. Then she mispronounced cucumber on uh, one of the more on the Today Show, she said it was stage fright, and so now the country. I guess, yeah, I don't know who re- who really does care about Hilaria's wife. Nobody, and yet I, this is why I'm pointing it out because it is everywhere. So obviously we need we need a distraction, and that's what Hilaria Baldwin has become. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. We'll see what uh, Mr. Mike Spalding has on Wisconsin's afternoon news. <laughs> 